When is that great day? It is when Jesus, along with his angelic armies, come in his second coming and defeat all of the enemy's wiles. When Jesus returns, all lawbreakers will be removed from God's earth. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. One of the most recognized scriptures in the Bible is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Judge not, lest you be judged. This scripture is often used as a sledgehammer against other believers. But what was Jesus' real intent with this parable? Here's David in the second section of a message called The Parable of the Weeds. Interestingly, in the world and in the church, the tares and the wheat grow next to each other. And it's hard to distinguish between the two. There are people who say they are Christians and they're not any more Christians than man in the moon. They don't really live for Jesus. They just say, I'm a Christian. It's a slab they placed on their outward veneer. But it's hard to judge who is and who isn't. And that's what Jesus meant in Matthew 7, 1 when he said, judge not lest ye be judged. What he's talking there about is don't judge who's in the kingdom and who's not in the kingdom. Don't make a judgment about someone's eternal salvation. That's not your job. Now, interestingly, we'll look at this in a little greater depth in just a moment. This does not mean that we as Christians don't go confront those who say they're followers of Jesus, but their fruit doesn't seem to produce the same kind of reality of their proclaimed root. We're supposed to go talk to them about this discrepancy, but before we do, Jesus said in Matthew 7 1, Make sure you take the plank out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of another's. So since we can't determine who's a believer and not, Jesus said that responsibility is going to be left in his second coming with his angels. They will come with him and they will be able to determine right fruit from the root. And they will separate the children of light and the children of darkness. And Jesus said, the angels will bundle together all of the children of darkness and they will face their eternal doom. And then he said, those others who are righteous, did you note how the parable ends? that then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The angels will take those who truly believe in Jesus, who have been born again, who are children of the kingdom, they will be righteous. What does that word righteous mean? It is a key word to understand biblically. Righteous means right standing with God. It means you have a right relationship with God. And it's either done by your works or by grace. There are two ways to become righteous. Either you can work and become righteous in accordance with obedience to the law, or you know you can't. Because we can't, we're all conceived with a bentness towards self. We can't ever obey God's righteous law perfectly. The only other option is we become righteous, not by what we do, but by what's been done for us through Christ on the cross. Jesus died for us, and he declared us righteous, forgiven, And when we are set together as God's church in God's kingdom and gathered into his barn together, we will shine like a bright light in the darkness of this world. There will be a purity of forgiveness that will consume all the resurrection life of those who believe. 
but those who don't believe are bundled differently. And they face a different destination. As there are two bundles for the righteous and the unrighteous, there are two destinations for them as well. The unrighteous go to hell. Now, I know the teaching on hell is an offensive teaching in today's postmodern society. But you need to understand that hell is the natural consequence of God's giving every human being free choice. Hell is the natural monument to our abdication of self above God. Why would God want anybody to be in eternity with him who doesn't want to be with him? So people who have decided against the gospel, who have not allowed it to penetrate their hearts, Jesus said, not David Chadwick, Jesus said they will spend eternity in a place of darkness. Jesus said he's the light of the world and he's not going to be in hell. So it must be dark. And there there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what does that mean? Let me ask you golfers. Have you ever missed a one-foot putt? Okay, basketball players. Have you ever missed a wide-open layup? Or, or in a general way, have you ever done something really stupid, you knew was stupid, and you shouldn't have done it? What's the response? Whenever that happens, you just grit your teeth and go, How'd I miss that putt? Wide open layup. The weeping and gnashing of teeth is eternal regret. People live in a place where they are eternally regretful for having heard the gospel of grace and continued to reject it. Jesus is the one who taught that. Now, may I take a quick second, if you'd allow me just a few minutes to address a subject that's important to me. I hear teachers out in the world. And I hear what they're teaching. And my heart becomes sad. Now, even though Jesus alone with the angels judges people's eternal salvation, interestingly, later on in Matthew 7, Jesus says, beware of false teachers. That evidently from day one, through Jesus, Paul, Peter, John, and the history of the church, there have always been false teachers. And we are supposed, as the followers of Jesus, to be able to discern who those false teachers are. There are a few things biblically given to us to be able to discern who they might be. First of all, look at their lifestyle, the fruit of their lifestyle. If it is exceedingly wealthy, throw an exclamation mark in your spirit. God never intended ministers of his gospel to use the gospel to become wealthy. Our job as ministers is to feed the flock, not fleece the flock. And if you see someone whose lifestyle is wealthy beyond words, 
question the teacher's veracity. Moreover, I think there are three things you need to listen for as ministers of the word preach the word. First of all, listen if they call you a sinner because you are. A sinner isn't what you do, it's who you are. Like Marilyn, like me, like many of you, in your pre-Christ condition, you were a rebel against a holy God. You were at, at enmity following the commands of the enemy against God. And the true preacher of the word tells people they are sinners. Now, I've heard some of these guys be interviewed and, and they give answers like this about this question, why don't you talk about sin? Well, people are so beaten down, they don't need to hear about that. And my answer is, the reason they're beaten down is because of sin. And the only way you'll ever be set free is to admit, I'm a sinner in rebellion against a holy God. So listen for that. Secondly, listen if they warn you. I've come to understand that part of my responsibility as a faithful minister of the word is to warn you about the reality of eternal separation from God. Jesus did. The writers of the New Testament did. So must I. I'm warning you today about the reality of eternal separation from God. Paul in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 says, the purpose of preachers is to teach, admonish, and warn. Teach, admonish, and warn. And I read James, the third chapter, verse 1, and it chills my heart when it says, those who teach the word of God face a stricter wrath one day before God. That means my judgment before him is greater than yours. So listen, if they warn you, for faithful teachers warn people about what may be facing them. And finally, do they teach repentance? Not that you can just become a better person, not just hope a little more and things will work out. Do they teach repentance? What is repentance? It's a change of life. It means I once was a kingdom, a member of the kingdom of darkness. I'm now a citizen of the kingdom of light. I've changed my life. I don't live in that selfish, broken way anymore. I don't live for myself. I use God's gifts that he's given me for his glory and his glory alone. Faithful ministers of the word teach your sinners. They give you a warning and they teach repentance. Listen for those three things and discern Discern, dear people, whether someone is a false teacher or not. Now, there are three messages you need to get from this parable, I think. First of all, it appears to teach us there's an apparent triumph of the enemy. Isn't that true? As you look at this world, doesn't it seem like perhaps the enemy is winning? Did you know that in the Mideast, that used to be the cradle of Christianity... That used to be the place where most people were Christians, but now maybe 3% are Christians because of ISIS and other different things that have happened. We were there and thought, the enemy's winning. <laughs> but then you look worldwide and you realize it's a little bit like when you put your thumb on mercury 
and the mercury squishes outward, that's what's happened in the Mideast. It looks like the enemy's winning, but over the world, the gospel is proliferating in profound numbers in South America, in Sub-Sahara Africa, in China right now where the church is being persecuted. Christianity is exploding in growth. Don't let anyone fool you. It's still the largest world's religion. And evangelical Christianity where the Bible is being proclaimed faithfully is the largest growing group of Christians in the world today. Don't let anyone kid you. Now, there's an apparent sense that the enemy is winning. But look at the second point. The righteous will triumph one day. The righteous will triumph one day. There's an already not yet tension in the kingdom of God that the Bible talks about. It's much like during World War II when the Allied forces invaded Normandy. They knew that when they established that beachhead, World War II would basically be over. Hitler knew that. That's why Hitler put so much of his power on those beaches to prevent the Allied invasion. But the Allies won, and that beachhead was established. That was called D-Day. Dear friends, the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth, its own D-Day was Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Jesus won. The victory is his. But just like D-Day had to wait for V-Day, the Allied forces had to march across France and into Germany, into Berlin to meet the Russian forces until Hitler was finally defeated. During that interim time period, while the Allied forces moved across France, there were many loss of life. There was horrific tragedies that still occurred. Why? Because Hitler didn't want to give up. In his pride and arrogance, he didn't want to give up. But V-Day did happen. And V-Day is going to happen for us as well. When is that great day? It is when Jesus, along with his angelic armies, come in his second coming and defeat all of the enemy's wiles. Did you note in the parable, there will be a day when Jesus returns that all causes of sin and all lawbreakers will be removed from God's earth. When he comes back, every rebellion against him will be absorbed into his righteousness and this earth that God created to be good will be restored to good and those of us who live for Jesus will live here on this earth forever without sin, without pain, without trial, without tears in triumph of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Would you give him praise for that? There is a final judgment, it's the third point. There's a second coming and a final judgment and truth will be known and God's people will live forever in his presence. Which leads to the last question I need to ask you. Which seed are you? Which seed are you? Are you a wheat or a tear? George Barna has done extensive study statistically about churchgoers, and he has concluded in a recent study after studying churches all over America that 50% of all people in the church are not Christians. That means in the church, along in the field of the world, there are tares. Are you a wheat or a tear? 
The proof really is in fruit. Jesus said in Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who does the will of my Father in heaven. The proof of the root is the fruit of obedience to the Father's will. Is that you? You know, I love Twitter. I've gotten on Twitter. And I've noticed in Twitter there are faux followers, F-A-U-X, French word for false, faux followers. There's a faux Katy Perry, false Katy Perry, not really Katy Perry. There's a faux LeBron James, tweets out, hundreds of tweets, not LeBron James, faux LeBron James. And I've wondered to myself as I knew that reality, I wonder if they're faux followers of Jesus who speak for him, but their hearts are far from him. Which seed are you? You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with a Davidism about how inch by inch, life's a cinch. We'll be right back. I'm Mark McManus with Moments of Hope Church's Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. With me in the studio today is Tony Marciano, Executive Director of the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Tony, tell us about the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Mark, at the Charlotte Rescue Mission, everything we do is about transformation. With a focus on individuals struggling with addiction, we uniquely work from the inside out to address the root cause. And we accomplish that by providing professional, Christian residential recovery services free of charge. Now let me back up for just a moment and explain all that to you. When I say the word transformation, I get those marching orders from John 6, very interesting chapter of the Bible, where on day one Jesus feeds 5,000 people. That night the disciples float across the lake. Jesus follows them by walking across the lake, and the next day the crowd gets in boats and follows them. But on day two, Jesus chooses not to feed them and begins to preach at them and they all leave. I think in that one chapter, it's the heart of God for the poor, where God says on day one, I love you so much, I accept you just as you are. But day two, God is saying, I love you too much to leave you there. And that's the hard work of transformation that we focus on every day at Charlotte Rescue Mission. I mentioned we uniquely work from the inside out to address the root cause, and that root cause is shame. Guilt is when I make a mistake, but shame says I am a mistake. And if you knew me, you wouldn't like me. And if God knew me, God wouldn't like me. And then I wrapped it up by saying we address this by providing professional, free, Christian residential recovery services. I like to use the verses out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, where the Apostle Paul says that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth. And verse 19 says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Mark, I believe firmly that when someone realizes that God's love is four-dimensional, not three-dimensional, not conditional, but unconditional, when they have that aha moment that God loves them, all the shame in their soul goes away because they know they are fully accepted by God, not for what they've done, but simply because God loves them. And that's what we do every day at Charlotte Rescue Mission. Love to have you get involved. Please go to our webpage, charlotterescuemission.org, for ways that you can impact the people we serve. 
Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Jen. Great to be with you. Well, David, in one of your morning e-devotions, you recently brought up that inch by inch, life's a cinch. What in the world do you mean by that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a, a nice little phrase that's easy to remember, but honestly, Jen, In my opinion, it's a key to success in life. I think if people can memorize this quote and practice it, it will pave the road to more success in their lives. So what does this mean? Inch by inch, life's a cinch. Uh, You'll find that if you obey this little ditty in life, small things being done well regularly, life will operate more successfully. If you do it daily, faithfully, one step at a time, Once you've disciplined yourself to attend to the small daily task over and over again, disciplined over time, you'll find that eventually you've actually achieved your goals and maybe more. Hmm. All genuine success in life takes time. There's so much feeling out there among people, well, I want success and I want it right now, Mm -hmm. kind of the microwave success oven, if you will. But that's not how most success happens. It's not immediate. It's not sudden. It doesn't come out of nowhere. Instead, it's achieved step by step, day by day, month by month, year by year, following faithful, disciplined habits, and it's through these small steps done faithfully that sterling successes and lasting legacies are built. On the contrary, don't bite off more than you can chew. This introduces another Davidism. Someone once said, yard by yard, life is hard. A dream can become overwhelming if you're preoccupied with all the things that must be done, especially right now. You can become daunted, anxious, overwhelmed. So remember this truth. Keep the end in mind, but keep your eyes on what's directly in front of you, the next step, on what you need to do this day to move forward if by only an inch. The prophet Zechariah encouraged us to embrace the days of small beginnings. That's found in Zechariah 4.10. It was his way of saying something to all of us today, inch by inch, life's a cinch. Wow, that's so good. And that really reminds me of watching my husband. He is His personality is just very loyal and dedicated. And I watch him spend each morning in the Word, just one day at a time. And I'm just kind of all over the map, right. you know, but I look at him and he is so steady. And I, I, I see this being applied to his life. And it, it truly is. And I, I had the honor of hearing Andrea and Noreen Brunson, who were imprisoned in Turkey, and he honors Noreen's inch by by inch lifestyle in her faith as a pillar for him. This is powerful. Mm, It's a great truth, Jen, that I hope everyone can learn. And I know as a former college athlete, a basketball player, that you don't become bigger, quicker, faster, stronger in one day. Mm -hmm. It is done by the daily discipline of exercising and doing what's necessary each day over a long period of time when eventually you reach your goal. Another example would be for those who've never read through the Bible, do so. 
note, by reading two to three chapters every single day, you can read through the Bible in one year. You don't bite off the whole thing, but (laughs) every day, choosing a little bit, you can read through the entire Word of God and see the beautiful story of God loving us through Jesus and saving us from our sins. This is so encouraging. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Jen. Inch by inch, life's a cinch. If you want some other kinds of Davidisms, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. Subscribe to the Daily Moments of Hope. I'll send them to you to your inbox at 7 o'clock each morning. They're free of charge. It's my gift to you to help you start each day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also, check out David's weekly Hopecast. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for strength for our local churches.